The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome to Trip Talk once again, everyone. Always glad to have you with us. Today, we're going to travel to North Carolina, specifically to what is known as the Crystal Coast. And aye, there be pirates in North Carolina, off the Atlantic. They're not all in the Caribbean. I am delighted also to introduce you to a wonderful couple, one of those couples I hope to meet in in person someday. They've done wonderful radio work with me. And what they don't know about investigation of haunted places, about the golden age of piracy, must not be worth knowing because they are a treasure trove, pardon the pun, of information today about the pirates, the pirates off the coast of the Outer Banks of North Carolina. So let's meet Tanya and Joey Medea. Tanya Medea is a multi-credentialed author, healer, and teacher who believes in the importance of cultivating and trusting your intuition. She has been invited to investigate everything from private residences and cemeteries to retail stores and community centers. Tanya also is the author of Living the Intuitive Life, Cultivating Extraordinary Awareness, and she is co-author, along with Joey, of Watch Out for the Hallway, our two-year investigation of the most haunted library in North Carolina. Joey Medea, when he is not investigating or writing about strange phenomena, is a screenwriter, audio dramatist, playwright, novelist, actor, and director. He specializes in bringing true stories to the stage, page, and screen. Welcome to Trip Talk, Tanya and Joey Medea. Thank you, Gary. Thank it's you, always Gary. a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So happy to bring you along for your expertise and your sparkling personalities and your flair for making like pirates at a time when many people, let's say millions, are hoping to take to the open road. They are just champing at the bit. And when they plan their road trips, they want to go to places, in many cases, that have historical allure and all the excitement that attends looking into the history, living in the past, as it were. And so today, I thought if we're going to talk about the crystal coast in North Carolina, you'd be the perfect ones to give us the authoritative word about how to plan a trip and all that can be seen when you're looking for pirates out by the outer banks in North Carolina. That's right. So the Crystal Bank, uh, the Crystal Coast, also known as the Southern Outer Banks, also has another nickname, and it is the Graveyard of the Atlantic. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, so you go from Crystal Cross to Graveyard of the Atlantic. And for a pirate like myself, that is where the true treasure lies. Uh, since the 1500s, since they kept keeping records, over 5,000 shipwrecks have been recorded over, Tanya, it's about 85 miles, right? 85 that, of coastline. Mm -hmm. So do that math, folks. More interestingly, different kinds of pirates than you might think of, German U-boats in World War II, especially in 1942, sunk over 300 ships, many of them oil tankers, off the coast of the Crystal Coast. So obviously very different kinds of pirates, but the same thing. And there is, if, if you're a pirate enthusiast, if you love maritime history, if you love pirates, the Crystal Coast is, is completely, totally the place to go. Um, because of the very unique dynamics. You know, Gary, they say that North Carolina, and specifically that area of North Carolina, is a uh, valley of humility between two mountains of conceit. 
<laughs> and those two mountains of conceit are South Carolina and Virginia. Why? Because they have great deep water ports. So you have Charleston to the south, which originally Charles town named for the king and uh you have hampton up in virginia which has been there for a very long time so big ships could get in there and you could bring in big big ships full of goods and merchant ships north carolina is different why the graveyard of the atlantic it's shallow water it's shifting sandbars it's very very difficult to navigate and it was hard to get things into the inland swampy mountainous it's difficult terrain in north carolina so who brings cheap goods in abundance, pirates. <laughs> yes, they did. And when I look at a map of the Crystal Coast area, I can see how it would be very inviting for pirates who wanted perhaps to plunder or just make a lot of money bringing these goods in precisely because though it was accessible, it was also treacherous and not something that a typical naval strategist would undertake to do. But for pirates, they threw the rule book out and went for the gold. They really had to. And and it's kind of interesting. Of course, um, I teach pirate history. I do my enactments, my one-man show, historical education, really from the perspective of, okay, these these were violent guys. They, they were rule breakers who adopted their own rules. So like a mafia or any other sub kind of community, they have what was called their articles. But they really didn't take advantage of the people that they sold their goods to. So they got that stuff primarily out on the sea by attacking the big ships. And then they were able to bring this desperately needed stuff, so sugar, cocoa, different kinds of foodstuffs, material, to the people Kind of like Robin Hood, there was one pirate who sailed in that area named Sam Bellamy. And they called him Black Sam, but they also called him the Robin Hood of pirates. So, so I think that's really important. Pirates were rehearsing for the American Revolution. They were rehearsing for the French Revolution. And they were doing a lot of that rehearsal uh, off the coast of North Carolina. Now, we understand that much about the history. I am very interested to know, Tanya... Is this this pirate's life? I mean, it's not all Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride at Disneyland and Disney World. That's the fun part. And I've been on those rides countless times in both places. But when we talk about the pirate's life, for example, in North Carolina, along the Crystal Coast, what sort of a life was that for a woman? It, it would take a certain type to be attracted. Maybe they like their bad boys of the sea. I don't know. But it seems like the pirate's life appealed to some women who would join ranks with them. There were some women who joined ranks with them, and not a lot of women. There were only a few, but uh, it wasn't an easy life at all for a woman. Uh, there was, of course, Mary Reed, and uh, there was also Annie and sorry, I got a little tongue-tied there, and Bonnie. And both of them had to pass themselves off as men in order to, you know, women were not permitted on ships. That was bad luck. Uh, there was a lot of superstition. Uh, I believe there still is a lot of maritime superstition. But, yeah, so it wasn't an easy life for them. And I was sitting here wondering, now, why would it be bad luck to have women on board? And then I think, well, if we go back to ancient mythology in the Greek world, if you were around women, they might turn out to be sirens and you would be shipwrecked. I could see where over the centuries that kind of superstition would grow up around having women on board. 
Right. And 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 there's there's always I always look at 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 different layers of it. The other layer of it, Gary, is very practical. I'm doing next week. I'm doing a Facebook live uh, where my character, Angus McGregor, is going to talk about maritime superstitions. But um, this idea that men are at sea for a long time, surrounded by nobody else but men, all women on that level, when you come across them are sirens in the sense that they smell nice, they look nice, they're curvy, and they're in high demand. So you need to concentrate. A ship is a very complicated thing. There's a lot of complicated rules, a lot of teamwork. And I think it was from a very practical level. And I don't think Mary and Anne, um, the fact that they could pass so well as men, they each served, Mary served in the Army and the Navy, and Anne served in the Navy prior to them becoming pirates. They didn't want to be seen as women. They wanted to be treated as equals. Um, they didn't want to be taken advantage of. They chose the man that they both aligned with, a man named Jack Rackham. Um, so it's a very, very, it's that great girl power thing that I always, later in my show, when, you know, they're just getting tired of the very male-heavy story that's pirates, of course, to say there were a couple of women and they were the ones who, who raised the swords and kept the guns pointed when all the men around them surrendered. So it's a great story. I love that. This is the stuff beyond the bare facts. In North Carolina, yes, the Crystal Coast is an 85-mile stretch of coastline that extends from the Cape Lookout National Seashore, which is a place to visit in and of itself, including 56 miles of protected beaches on this Crystal Coast. And it runs southwest to the New River. Also, the Crystal Coast is not only popular with tourists, as you might imagine, but it's a second home to many summer seasonal residents. That's what we know bare bones. But when it comes to the places that you can go, and there are many, Joey, Tanya, we have some time now to go through them one by one. If somebody is planning a road trip, and this is trip talk, if you're planning to get out on the road as soon as the coast is clear, as it were, what are the places that are like not to be missed along the Crystal Coast? Well, I definitely feel like uh, Swansboro is uh, a place that they would want to put on their uh, itinerary as far as their trip. Uh, Swansbury has, I don't know if it's an annual uh, festival, but they do have a pirate festival. So uh, anyone interested would want to look that up. There's also the uh, Emerald Isle has an amazing St. Patty's Day festival. Uh, Emerald Isle is, of course, another amazing town that people would want to stop and, and visit along the way. Of course, there's Wilmington, uh, the USS North Carolina, which is uh, haunted, and I can attest for that myself. I took my daughter there a few years ago, and we had the opportunity to tour and investigate the uh, USS North Carolina. So definitely check that out. Then if you want to go north, um, again, history. If you love your history, there's a wonderful town named New Bern. Um, it's a sister city to Bern, Switzerland. They both have a great theme of bears. So the entire town, which is very, it's a, it's, I love it because it's a perfect mix of art and history. It's wonderful, New Bern. But there's Tryon Palace there, named for Governor Tryon. Uh, that was back in the 1700s in the Golden Age of Piracy. Any fans of the TV show Sleepy Hollow? 
uh, much of that television show when it was on several years ago was uh, filmed there in New Bern. You also have Okacroak. Now, Okacroak is you get off the Crystal Coast a little, you take a ferry ride, which is about an hour. It's absolutely spectacular view. It's wonderful. You get to Okacroak. Now, back in the pirate days, the days that I teach in the early 1700s, it was simply called pilot town. Why is Okacroak important? Because in November of 1718, so we just passed the 300th anniversary, that's where Edward Teach, otherwise known as Blackbeard the Pirate, was beheaded. He was assassinated by Virginia Colony without authority of England with the um, help of the Royal Navy. So this was totally illegal. Blackbeard had taken the pardon. I really, um, Okacroak is absolutely beautiful. Tanya and I have gone out there for the Blackbeard Festival every year. They say if you go in November, around the time when he died in the middle of the month, and you look in the water right as the sun is setting, you'll see blue lights under the water. And these are called Teach's lights because some people thought that Edward Teach was possessed by the devil and that after his head was cut off, he swam uh, around the boat three times before he sunk. Pure propaganda, but it makes a wonderful trip. Should we keep going, Gary? Well, yes, and let me just put this in in the middle of it. I'm glad you mentioned Blackbeard naturally. I understand that there is a feature there. People who are interested in the history of piracy and going out to that beautiful area no doubt will want to visit the living shipwreck feature. I guess it's a life-size replica of a German U-352 submarine, but also and especially Blackbeard's infamous ship called the Queen Anne's Revenge, which was found nearby, I understand, off the coast a decade ago. Yeah, it was it was a little it was a little bit longer than that. And there's the North Carolina Maritime Museum, which is in our beloved Beaufort, where we lived for three years and really got our pirate on just about every day. U-352 is very, very interesting. That was a U-boat that was actually sunk by the U.S. Coast Guard in 1942 off the coast. About half of them were uh, killed. By the Coast Guard. So as they were coming up as the submarine, as the U-boat was sinking, um, they were machine gunned down. And the rest of them were taken prisoner of war. Now, this kind of overlaps our pirates and paranormal that has kind of become Tanya and I's life. Because the captain of that U-boat, 352, was named Helmet Rathke. And R Helmet Rathke, believe it or not, haunts one of the rooms of the Webb Memorial Library. We've uh, spoken to this guy. We've suffered his insults and his Zeke Hiles. And um, he, he, was, he never gave up his loyalty to the Fuhrer, to the Third Reich. He was so militant, Gary, when, when they were prisoners of war, that he was way more draconian with his people than the United States Navy were. And they hated him so much that in the 1970s, they all got together around Cape Carteret, that area where the Crystal Coast starts in the north, for a reunion. And they sent him the invitation and written on it was Capitan Rathke, we are getting together and you not invited, sir. And and I we think that's why in the room that he haunts in the web library is a framed poster of U-352. So it's a wild story. This sounds like a very early example before the acronym, in fact, of FOMO. Maybe the captain had fear of missing out. Yeah. 
For sure. I mean, he was angry and we found a declassified U.S. Navy report as part of our investigation, piecing together who he was, why he was there, what was going on. And the U.S. Navy's assessment was that the only guy that was more Hitler than Hitler was Helmut Rathke. <laughs> oh, so, my. Yeah. Yeah. So some spirits just do not change. And he still shows up in his uniform and, and he's while he smokes his, his uh, smelly cigarettes. And so, yeah, there's the you uh, 352. And then, of course, the Queen Anne's Revenge, which Blackbeard, I'm going to go out on the limb here because I've been doing it for four years. There is a controversy about whether he grounded that ship. Um, in Beaufort Inlet, which at the time was just called Topsail Inlet, whether he did it on purpose. And I'm going to go out on the limb and say, yes, folks, Blackbeard grounded that ship on purpose. He knew those waterways, um, but it was a big ship. It was uh, it was the Queen Anne's Revenge was was um, a French slaver that he had um, modified into a pirate ship, which is typically what they would do. They loved slavers because they would hold a lot of guns. They would hold a lot of men. They were sleek. They were fast, but they were serious ships of war. And he had like 700 people in his command. I personally think that he was suffering from the pox um, and his mind was starting to go shortly after he grounded it. He offloaded everyone, sent some to Virginia, some inland in North Carolina, and he swung a deal with the governor and he was and he took the pardon, like I said. But it is out there. Um, if you want to see the artifacts, they're stunning and they are at the North Carolina Maritime Museum in Beaufort. Let's pick up on that. That good detail there, Joey. In terms of Beaufort and Harker's Island, these would be two of the main places people would want to see and perhaps stay if they're making the road trip out to where the pirates once sailed and roamed and plundered, etc. Beaufort and Harker's Island. Right, that's absolutely true. Yes, well, Beaufort, um, as Joey mentioned, we we had the privilege of living there for three years. It's an amazing little town. Uh, it's a beautiful waterfront. As Joey mentioned, the Maritime Museum is located there, um, as are just some amazing shops um, and restaurants. In fact, Beaufort is such a wonderful town that it's been named um, several years in a row as the best small town in America. So it's definitely something that uh, your listeners would want to put on their list. In addition to being the best small town in America, I also have to say it's also a very haunted town because it's a very old town. So it's over 300 years old. We, when we lived there, were just about two blocks away from the burial ground, which was a, a very old burial ground, and there was a lot of activity happening there. But this burial ground, you know, it's it's amazing just because of the age and the history associated with it, but it's, it's lined with these live oak trees that sort of arch over and hang down and it's it's just picturesque. The entire town really is picturesque. It sounds wonderful. And there are so many places when you're talking about an 85-mile stretch. Let me just go ahead. I'll, I'll uh, open the throttle here. Joey, Tanya, tell us about the places that are can't miss in addition to these historic places. Maybe some of the out-of-the-way places, like if you're going to make a road trip there, don't miss A, B, and C. But what would those places be in your minds that are really great to visit as part of this whole adventure? 
Wow. So so we hit on the major ones. You mentioned Harker's Island and any of those other little islands. Uh, Harker's Island is all about their pirates and celebrating that. Um, what are some of the other places, son? Oh, definitely when you go to Beaufort, you can rent a kayak and you can go out to what is called Shackleford Banks. There's wild horses there, Spanish Mustangs. Um, there's some confusion. You may hear folks, and you may see on a lot of websites, that they were part of a Spanish shipwreck in the 1700s and they washed up. That's not true. There was a doctor that put them there, but they are uh, purebred uh, Mustangs, and they're absolutely beautiful. It's wonderful to look out across that that crystal water yes. and see the horses just coming out. So that's a thing you probably shouldn't miss. Um, yeah, I would have to say <laughs> Moorhead City, uh, home of the Webb Memorial Library, definitely make a stop there. Uh, again, a very haunted location. Joey and I wrote a book about it called Watch Out for the Hallway, as you know. Um, but uh, that's located in an area of Moorhead City called uh, the Promised Land. And the Promised Land derives its name from sometime in the 1800s when the residents of Harker's Island became so tired of having their homes destroyed from hurricanes that they started migrating to that area of Moorhead City and uh, deemed it the Promised Land. So in that whole area there near the Web Library, again, very active haunted location. Every summer in Seattle, I can tell you, and I didn't go down to the events themselves. I just sat back and watched the coverage on TV. So I'm telling one on myself. I didn't put on the pirate hat. Probably should have. I lived in the area over 20 years there. But every summer in Seattle, they have what is known as Seafair. And Seafair is nothing if they don't include the seafare pirates. Now, the seafare pirates are very friendly, sociable guys. By day, they might be a butcher, baker, dentist, insurance agent, what have you. But when they get the chance to cut loose during seafare, there's this whole pirate's paradise going on, and it's been celebrated for many, many years in Seattle. That is the one that I knew about. But here along the Crystal Coast, I understand that there is a kind of pirate invasion that I think happens annually. There sure is. And that is the Beaufort Pirate Invasion. It's the highlight of the summer on the Crystal Coast. It takes place the second weekend in August every year. So it's anywhere between like the 12th and the 15th it starts. And I'm really hoping that everything sorts out so they can do it. I've been very honored to to be assistant director of the battle, to, to help write the scripts, to, to be everything from a ticket taker my first year, to be a featured performer. But the Beaufort Pirate Invasion celebrates an event that happened in 1747. When Spanish pirates came up from your neck of the woods, Gary, in Florida, and um, and and they were intermixed. They were Mexican, Spanish, Floridian, uh, Indian mixes. Some freed slaves who were looking for a better life, and they came up the coast and they took over the town of Beaufort, um, which was only several hundred people for three days. Now, no blood was spilled, but you don't want a bunch of Spanish pirates taking over your town. So word was sent up to Governor Tryon up in New Bern, so it comes back into the story there, and they sent down a militia and they drove these guys off. So it is vendors, it is living history. We have pirate crews come from Virginia, from uh, uh, elsewhere in North Carolina, from Florida, 
um, some ca uh, pirates from California. So there's a big concentration of pirates in Long Beach, California. They'll fly out for this living history, uh, appropriate music. It goes on for two and a half days. The highlight is the battle where there's a land and sea battle and the ships come in and the famous Captain Horatio Sinbad, folks, that's his legal name. He is the only legal privateer still alive in America. Ronald Reagan in the 80s, I think is a little bit of a publicity stunt, signed his letter of mark to make him a privateer. It's great for the kids. It is really the highlight of the Crystal Coast season. I love that idea. I'd, I'd love to go, but the big question looming for a lot of our listeners would be, what is the status of that event in 2020? Right. So for right now, we're all keeping our fingers crossed. Nothing has been canceled in the fall in our paranormal life and in our pirate life so much has been canceled. But but so far, it seems like August into September, October, everyone's just keeping their fingers crossed. Um, it is an outdoor event, but it also brings tens of thousands of people, and the logistics are immense. So we just don't know, Gary, at this point. Um, you want to go to uh, Beaufort Pirate Invasion on Facebook or on their website. Um, join their mailing list. Tell them that uh, Joey and Tanya Medea or Angus Quill McGregor the Pirate sent <laughs> you. Um, and, and you can keep informed that way and find Excellent. out. But we're keeping our fingers crossed. Oh, I hope it happens. That's terrific. All that and so much more on the Crystal Coast in North Carolina. I am so grateful to have the two of you with me. And in our last minute here, Joey Medea, Tanya Medea, you're working on a book. I would like for it to be the subject the next time you come on to Trip Talk, the book that you're working on for publication later this year. What is it? The book is called... Uh... Roommates, sorry, I'm just having a little mind uh, part That's there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> roommates from Beyond, How to Live in a Haunted Home. And it's really based on our experiences over the years of uh, not only living in haunted homes ourselves, but going in and helping others uh, navigate that situation for themselves. Well, that's fascinating in itself because, uh, among other things, you can't go to a city of any size anymore, and a lot of smaller ones, too, not just the major cities, and there will be one or more well-organized and reasonably inexpensive ghost tours that happen each night, and I've been to the one in Nashville, for example, another one in St. Augustine, Florida, and they're so fascinating. It's also a great way to make friends and pick up on a lot of local history when you visit. It absolutely is. And I should give a shout out to bring it back to Beaufort, to Port City Tour Company, where I was creative director. They have the Beaufort Ghost Walk, and it runs each night of the pirate invasion. It runs almost year-round. They shut down in the in the winter, such as it is there in North Carolina on the Crystal Coast. But um, it is a great history, mix of history and the paranormal. You're absolutely right, Gary. The best ones really are. Um, so, yeah. Joey, Tanya, thanks so much for gracing our show today. We must do this again, and we'll go haunted next time. I can't wait. Thanks so much for joining us on Trip Talk. Thank, thank you, you, Gary. Gary. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk today, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road. Until next week, drive safely and dream well.